podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. A few weeks ago, I sent out an email to many of the listeners of this podcast. If you don't know, we got a mailing list. Apparently, we almost never mail. I was going to say, I think we've only done that like three times in the last year or so. So I got a response from so many of the listeners, Ian, and they were basically saying, I don't have a business, but I listen to your show. And I got thinking like, oh, yeah, because like so many of the listeners, probably 90% of the listeners that we meet have a business. But I think if you maybe looked at the actual composition of the audience, it could be the opposite way around, right? It could even be inverted from that. I don't know. (laughs) Kind of thing we might want to send a survey out for. The other night, I'm out at a Junto, a DC Junto, and I run into a couple really smart young people. So just to clarify, DC Junto, third Thursday of the month in multiple cities across the world inside of the DC, people organize these meetups. You go to them, you drink beer, and you talk business. Yeah, 20 cities worldwide in January. And so I met some young people that asked me some really good questions about what it's like to be an entrepreneur and stuff. And and just a couple things kind of started happening over the last few weeks that I thought, why don't we make an episode for people that are entrepreneurial but don't have a business yet? What does it mean to be an entrepreneurial person? Okay, so that's a good question. I think the first thing is that there's like two types of people on the planet. Everybody has like hopes and dreams about what their future might look like. But entrepreneurial people, they turn those hopes and dreams into ambitions. And they're willing on some level to take some risks and to like do some calculations and take some responsibility to make those dreams a reality. Maybe dreams is a little airy-fairy, but you know what I mean? Like they have a vision for what they want to be and they're like, I'm going there. That's what I'm doing. You know, Dan, these people sometimes, like, I'm thinking of people that I know, and a lot of times these people are really good employees, so they, like, take it to the next level in their job, right? They're always trying to achieve more and more and more. And then there's also these people that are constantly getting kicked out of jobs or quitting because they just can't fit in. And so it's like they're in a position, they kind of can see through the BS, they can kind of see through the structure really quick, and they're like, ah, this sucks, you know, I should be my boss's boss. I know more than them, I'm a harder worker, all these things. And so they're constantly like either quitting or getting kicked out of their jobs because of their precocious ways. A lot of times these people can be entrepreneurial in disguise, right? So they like might not know what's wrong with them. They think like, Ian, you're kind of describing me you know, what do I need to do? Well, you need to define your own path forward. You know, these people, they're all working in the constraints of these companies, presumably under someone else's vision. The problem that I think that these people have is they have their own vision, but they're stuck because they have to make money working for somebody else's vision. And so it's understanding what your vision is and then going out and achieving it and having those people work for you. So let's do an episode where we talk about some things that we think are important to understand. If you're a young person, entrepreneurial, but you don't yet have a business. And for all the listeners out there that have a business, we know you got plenty to do, so you can flip this one off. We're not going to talk about you behind your back. We know that's not cool. We're not going to say anything bad about you. <laughs> Tax season's coming up. You've probably got a P&L to look at. First quarter goal's coming in. <laughs> so we'll give you guys a break on this one. <laughs> Five, four, three, two, one. All right, Ian, so we got five things that we want to share with young entrepreneurial people. The first idea here is that 
the longer you wait to start taking action on your dreams, on your ambitions, the harder it can get in a very real way. I think it's often the case that you think, oh, I just need to learn a little bit more or I need to have a little bit more money in the bank or I need to have a little bit more support from my family or whatever you think that it is that you need. But what often happens is when you find yourself in that position that you're actually committed to so many of those things. You're committed to the source of that money. You're committed to that relationship that you sought buy-in from, et cetera, et cetera, that it becomes more difficult to take the risks required to start a business. Also, you get older, you just know what you want, right? So it's like, well, I I really value comfort. You know, I really value these vacations that I take with my family. And you think, I don't want to give all those things up now. You know, I've like come to a place in my life where I really know what I like and this is what I like. And for me to be in a position where I have to sacrifice that, that's really going to suck because I know that it takes like five years to probably earn my income back plus more. I think what you're saying is to start as soon as possible. If you're feeling this uncomfortableness with your current situation, if you're feeling like that you have these dreams that you want to execute on, but you can't because you're in a job and you're young, my advice would be to quit now and just try and execute on that because it just gets so much harder, I feel like, when you get older. It does. And and let's go back to this runway analogy. You know, everybody in entrepreneurship talks about this idea of runway, right? It's this metaphor of like, if you have, you know, X amount of money saved up, you know, you can keep going without having a job or whatever. But let's take the metaphor a step further, which is how do runways get used by airplanes? You basically are using like 50 to 90% of the runway to take off and to have that entrepreneurial moment where you're at liftoff. But if at any moment during that runway process, it gets interrupted by a financial problem, by a career issue, by a health problem, you know, you name it, sometimes you kind of have to go back and start from square one again at the beginning of the runway to get up your momentum. We often say it takes about three years if it's going to work to like three years of full-time effort focused on your business or entrepreneurial activities means making money, cutting deals, you know, developing partnerships, all that good business stuff, right? And I know that if you're a young person and you haven't done this stuff yet, that might seem pretty vague. And we're going to get to that later in the episode. But it takes three years of full-time effort doing this stuff. That's your runway, right? And it can be very, very difficult to keep that momentum. If you step back and look at that, like the payoff for that three-year investment is amazing, right? Potentially a lifetime of financial freedom in a way that's not possible for people that rely on careers. But if you also look at it in the context of your life, like when's the last time you spent three years focused on one thing, you know, and that's an investment that I think a lot of people aren't prepared to make, particularly people that are further along in their lives and are committed to things that might be frankly more important than their financial freedom. I think the reason why it makes a difference to start when you're younger is because, like we said, it's just so much harder when you're older. I don't think that you can't not do it when you're older. Again, I just think that there's so much more to lose. You know, a lot of people, they have like families and other things going on. It's just almost impossible to do what you said, which is basically commit three years of your life to this endeavor because you have so many commitments and because you'll have to make so many sacrifices. And honestly, because there's probably other people involved in your life. When you're 23, like, you know, you got your parents, maybe, and I don't know how much of a part of your life they are. And then you got like your friends, like, you know, outside of that, like, you really don't have commitments to anybody. When you're 35, 55, like, there's probably a fair amount of people that are relying on you. When we've had our tea, I'll take you for a tour of the island. Then show you each Thunderbird craft and I'll explain its function. All right, Ian, point number two is 
We think it's really important to follow your passion. <laughs> Classic point number two. It's one of two things. Like it has to be things that you're genuinely animated for, that like you have a real energy for without outside influence. The saddest thing in the world to me is like some young, smart person droning about their degree program. It's such a bummer if like that person, what they really want to do is like design furniture or if they want to write or if they want to travel. It's different for everybody, but getting a sense for what those core things are that you're curious about. But on the other hand, those things have to engage in the world in a meaningful way. And that's really the trick of the passion question. It's so typical. It's like, well, I like playing golf all day. That's my passion. It's like, well, that's not really solving problems for other people. So you have to figure out a way to follow your passion while solving problems for other people. So like a golf coach would be one way to do that. Golf courses would be another way to do that. It can't just be you like to play golf all day. Sometimes combining elements works well for this. So like if you're like young and internet savvy, plus you love golf, plus you like writing, we have something to work on now. And we have a way to judge how good you are at solving problems in that space relatively quickly, which is where the rubber really meets the road. Like, can you cover new types of golf equipment in a compelling way for search engines that hasn't been done before? Because you know about search engines, you know about writing, you know about golf. It's things like that that are going to roll up and keep you animated and like give you that oxygen to keep doing it. Otherwise, it's always just going to be this thing that, you know, is a hobby or is on the side. A person says like, you know, my passion is golf and I want to figure out a way to play golf all the time because that's what I really love. And then they hear what you just said, which is, well, but you have to like learn how to be good at copywriting and SEO and all these other things. And then that's kind of where they fall off. So what kind of advice would you give people? Because I think people really struggle there at that intersection, right? So it's like, well, I'm not that good at SEO or I really don't want to learn SEO. Are these people just lazy and all they want to do is play golf and they just can't see past that? Or is it that they're really not that passionate about golf as they think that they are? Why do people fall off at that point? I think there's an important element to your passion is figuring out how you can fit into the world, you know? And at a certain point, the quicker you can kind of get really real with yourself about how you can fit into a space or into the world. And that involves going and seeing it yourself. You know, The quicker you can kind of get an honest tune with yourself about whether you're going to be a pro golfer, or whether you're going to be a TV star, a rock star, whether you're going to be like a full-time global traveler. Or like I get on that stuff right now. Like That's the part about being young, right? Because you don't want to be a paper pusher when you're 45 with it in the back of your mind thinking, mm, I really wanted to swing clubs for a living, right? Well, I'd suggest that you go do that and figure out whether or not that's feasible. Talk to people who do it directly, not vis-a-vis -a, -vis a layer of abstraction to a teacher you know, who used to do it 25 years ago or whatever. Like If you're listening to this show, you're thinking that you might want to be an entrepreneur, that some of these things sort of make sense to you. If you think the right answer is to go sign up for some entrepreneur course online, you're not hearing the message that I want to communicate, which is that you need to come talk to me or somebody like me in person and figure out whether there's a path for you. You know, I just don't think you can do that with these layers of abstraction and kind of ruminating on it endlessly. 
I'll tell you how my dreams got crushed, Dan, recently, about becoming a professional race car driver. Wow. Well, I wouldn't say crushed, but they've taken another path because I got some information that I didn't have before. So I've started to hang out with a couple of people that are pro drivers. And so now I'm starting to gain access and I'm starting to see like the actual mechanics and the actual money that's involved in like who these people are and what their lives look like. And in fact, like it's not really something that I'm as interested in anymore. I mean, I think that there's a way for me to participate. What was always interesting for me was being able to participate at a level with these drivers that are as good as they are, because that's my interest is like pushing my driving skills to be on that level. But the commitment that it takes and the sacrifices that it takes to attain that level is probably not something that's worth pursuing in terms of like the other opportunities that are in my life. So, you know, just getting back to how to find out if you want to be a pro golfer or if that's something that you think is a worthwhile endeavor is trying to get yourself in a situation where you're hanging out or learning from these people. Because in fact, the dream might not be what you think it is. From afar, like the dream of race car driving is very different than what it actually is. Yeah. And we can bring that home too, because like, let's talk about entrepreneurship. If you're interested in entrepreneurship, I also think it's worth getting specific about what kind of entrepreneurship. And you're not going to really know the distinctions from reading a blog post. I've had people that have looked at it. You look at it online. Of course, it's like, you know, you put this amount of investment in learning X skill, and then you're going to make $3,000 a month on the internet passively. And like, who's not going to look at that and be like, that's great, you know? But then you come to talk to somebody like Ian or myself in person and you see what our lives look like. It might not look like the life that you actually want. In fact, I've had many acquaintances and friends, listeners of this show, who looked at the palm trees, they looked at the travel, they looked at the money, the financial freedom and stuff. And they said, yeah, I want that. I want that. That's who I am. They come and they hang out with us for a few weeks, a few months days, hours, minutes, depending on how it goes. And they say, no, I, there's things about it that I can't handle, I don't like, are unsavory to me, are immoral, ignoble. I've heard everything. A lot of it is entrenched responsibility. That's probably the biggest one is like, I have commitments in my life that are just more important than you know taking these financial risks. Another one is you might put it under the umbrella of the hustle, People have an emotional resistance to having to be responsible to like get money out of people. Or that's how it's often perceived, you know, like I got to sell myself. I got to position myself as someone who's responsible as a leader. And people are just like, and I kind of understand this. They're just like, you know what? That's like too much heartache for me. I'd rather just go to a job and, and I get it. And it's hard to like really realize those things when you're like, behind a computer screen and you're like looking at people blab on about how much money they're making passively from a website. You know, when you meet these people in person, they're not like that. They're not sitting around passively earning tons of money. They're freaking out about what they're going to do next year when the passive thing runs out. And they're going to be pitching you on their next projects, asking for feedback. Like that's how those people are in person. Some people that are better adjusted, they hang out with that crow for a couple of weeks and they say, you know, that's not my thing. And I think that's worth figuring that out much sooner rather than later. Parker, Parker, where are you? Oh, there you go, Belady. Yes, Parker. Where have you been? All right. Point number three. A very common question that I think younger entrepreneurial people ask, more experienced people, is how can I help you? This is right along with can I pick your brain or grab a coffee with you? One of the worst questions you can ask somebody that's like further down the trail from you. And let's just do a little example like as to why that's the case. So, Ian, if I'm going to ask you, like, how can I help you? What's the first thought that goes to your head? And I'm like this young, smart, talented person. Right. And my answer 
is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you can help me. The answer is always complicated for a business owner. So I have my own desires. I want to do this with my business. You know, I want to like 10x my business. For me personally, like I want this car, or I want this vacation or things like that. And I'll come to you and it would be ridiculous for me to say that to you because I know that you don't have the skill set or the understanding in my business to help me achieve that. When you ask, how can I help you? You really have to have a context for how the business is working. So the first way that you can help me is by actually working in my business to understand it. If you're asking a vague question, like, how can I help you? You're not in a position to help me yet. If you're in my organization for six months to a year and you're like, hey, I can see this opportunity with SEO, like you guys really aren't optimized for these five keywords. And if you are optimized for these five keywords, then it will help you to achieve that ridiculous goal of 10xing your business that you told me about. So then it starts to get a lot more defined in terms of like how you can help me. So like I'm very suspicious of people that approach me and they say, how can I help you? Because I just don't have time to kind of field those questions because I feel like I've been burned by it so many times, Dan. So people have like come up to me and they'll be like, dude, if you guys just like install this little plugin on your website or like do this little tweak like it's really going to help you out but the problem is they don't understand like my long-term visions for the company and part of that's my problem right because I haven't like expressed it to them but on the other side of that like I just don't trust people to actually stick around long enough to help me in a meaningful way I'll say this I think the second approach is better than the first which is if someone comes up to you and says hey, did you know about this thing you can do for your business? I've done it for two other businesses that are similar to yours. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. Way better than, you know, how can I help you? Which often like evolves over a painfully long period of time to something more akin to like some kind of like personal therapy session. Like, have you ever had this situation where someone's like trying to grow a rapport with you? So they start asking you like, well, what are your goals for 2017? I'm not so sure that that's a great way to go either. So what is a good question? Because I think questions are a great way into the business. The way to pose the question is to understand what I'm doing and what's going on in my business, honestly. If you go to our website right now, tropicalmba.com, like you can see that we're severely undervaluing like our mailing list. Like we joked around about at the beginning of the episode, like we only mailed a couple of times at the beginning of the year. And like people on the show have like heard us say that we've implemented drip, but we're not really using as much as we should. Like there's a massive opportunity in this business. Like it's one that we've talked about. It's one that everybody can see to help us out with our email marketing campaign. And like in the past, Dan, like people have come to us and like tried to help us out with this, but why have they failed? I think because people see it as an opportunity and it's not what they were doing anyway. If you're passionate about it, well, why didn't you think to do it before I mentioned it on the podcast? Or when I mentioned it, why didn't you go do it for three to six months and then contacted me about it? You know, That to me is the example of somebody that's going to have success with something. And these like relationships... You're not going to build them by like five clever questions in an evening, you know, like... Sorry to cut you off, to get back to the heart of what you said there, which I think is important, which is when you come to me, you already have your own trajectory. And so when I say like the things you can help me with are SEO and you're already on your way to being an email marketer, you say, I can't help you with SEO because I'm on my way to becoming an email marketer. So it's having trajectory in your own life when you come to me and you ask that question and you know what you're good at and you know the skills that you want to develop and understanding if this is a good fit or not. Point number four, 
And this is echoes, I think, things that came out earlier in our conversation because we've really given ourselves some ribbon on this one, boss, man. We're mm. really... Old school episode, man. I think because we assume the audience is younger than us that we can just be like the old uncle at Christmas <laughs> and have a couple <laughs> bourbons and just listen to me, young one. <laughs> Go embed yourself with your prospective people. I just want to keep underlining this because I think it's the best advice I've ever heard. And it's really like the fastest way that I've seen this work for people and that it's worked for me personally. It's simple, right? It's about your actions. It's not about like the intellectual journey of like binging on X amount of podcasts. It's about taking away these layers of abstraction. What do I mean by that? Take away the blog post. Take away what someone says about themselves on Twitter or somebody else. Take away this university degree program or professor who's telling you things about things. Take away all that stuff. Find a way to go be with the people that you want to be like. Whether you have to take a financial risk to do it, whether you have to take time off of school or work. I mean, you owe it to yourself to meet these people in the flesh and spend time with them and sort through it. And it's stunning to me like how little of this I ever thought to do when I was young. Really? Because I kind of had the opposite experience. Like when I was younger, and somebody actually brought this up to me the other day that did it as well. Like I always found myself hanging out with older people. And it was only like recently why I figured out why that was. And it's because I got to see a glimpse into what life might be like down the line and the choices that you have to make to be in a position where these people are that I was hanging out with. And even today, like I find myself hanging out with older people. I mean, some younger people too, but it's because I want to see what it's like to be where they are based on the decisions that they made. Hanging out with your prospective people, I think is really important especially in the US, there's really only a couple cities that I've experienced this in where it's really possible. Like Austin is one of them where people seem to have an overabundance of time and people are really accessible to have coffee and hang out and you can really get to know someone. The other one might be like San Francisco. But here's the reason why it makes sense a lot of times to travel overseas. And I'm kind of just thinking about this as we're talking. But, you know, living in Asia was a very unique opportunity because it's possible to almost immediately link up with people that are doing things that you might want to be doing. So like if you want to be an internet marketer, if you want an e-commerce company, like these people are hanging out in Thailand and Vietnam and you can instantly plug into the community and learn what it's like to be one of these people and have their skill sets. In America, it's just so much harder because these people live in these communities where they're walled off, right? There's like fences and gates and whatnot. And it's really hard to get access to these people people. And so I think even if you don't like the idea of living in Thailand or Vietnam or something like that, the access that you have to these types of people that may be doing the types of things that you want to be doing is unprecedented. Like it's very hard to achieve that in the United States. Because the whole social and corporate fabric has kind of just disappeared and you just shoot straight from the hip. When I was recently in Thailand, I met young people. I think I'm sort of imagining some of them in my head as I say this, that have not gone to school. And then instead they went to Thailand and how horrified some of the audience must be to hear that right now. But these people have businesses like it's worked for some of them, right? Particularly for those of you that got there and said, heck yeah. I mean, imagine if you were at that DC Dynamite Circle meetup that we had in October in Chiang Mai, there's like 55 sharp, successful, quirky, location independent entrepreneurs hanging around. And you're there as a young person, you're kind of looking around and saying like, I want to be like these people. I like hanging out with these people. Like we respect each other. I mean, that's the opportunity I think that you were mentioning that's like unprecedented. And it's right here. It's cheaper than going to college. You can do it with almost no risk. You know, all the other stuff still available for you elsewhere. And 
the progress that you're going to have is like, I mean, compared to like taking courses online or listening to podcasts or whatever, like that's where it's, the action is. Getting in with that crew and seeing where you fit in, seeing how you can contribute. Yeah, and it's not that you have to live in Thailand if you don't want to live in Thailand, but to get access to the people that are doing things that you might want to be doing and, and hanging out with them. Like I said, like that's something that I've been doing from a very young age, you know? And it just so happens that people that are doing internet marketing that are 22 years old are in Asia because their runway is longer and because that's where they've found a home. So even if you only spend a couple months with them, figuring out what that life is like over there, I think what you're saying is absolutely true, which is a semester at college now what, 10 grand at some of these schools? You can get a lifetime of education in Thailand for a year for much less than you could at college. We've met these people, Ian, that are in their 20s that are making as much in two years and like doing it in a really fun way. They're not going to an office. They're meeting exciting people. They're learning relevant skills that families have worked a whole generation in an office for to make the same kind of wealth. They condensed it down to two years and it's not like they're doing anything that would stun any of the listeners here. I mean, it's just straightforward solid business stuff is doing it forget the books forget the schools man <laughs> rubber to the road get on the plane it's like what you're saying like who was i hanging out with when i was in school i was hanging out with students so i was like a student the blind leading the blind in that situation yeah and if you want to be a good student that's what it's about if you want to be a student then by all means go to school right that's what students do is they student they student around and it's a worthwhile thing to do but it's not at all what we're talking about here if you want to be a student for the rest of your life, then that's fine too. You can do it in Europe. I think they, I think yeah. the government pays for that. <laughs> I can't walk down the street without bonking my head into a master's degree over here, man. <laughs> if you want to get into a protracted conversation with a European, just ask them about their degrees. Ask someone in their mid-30s about all their degrees. Five, four, three, two, one. I think that's good. I think we've hit up enough. And in this episode, which we'll put tags on after this, we will answer questions that anybody might have for us. And one more thing at the end of the app, I want to share business idea that I had. Let's hear it. I can't take full credit for it because I did share it with you guys before and I think you might have molded it. So this is what I normally do. I come to a conversation with you guys and by you guys, I mean the team and I, I'm like a part of it. And then I leave the conversation and then all of a sudden, everything that happened in that conversation is immediately my idea. Yeah, I got the email. I remember it. We had the conversation, and then the email came in a couple hours later. I was like, what do you guys think? This might be a crazy idea. But <laughs> And then I was like, well, I guess that was Dan's idea. I don't know. So we sent out an email a few weeks ago to DCers, who are members, and to prospective DCers, basically saying we do this mastermind rush. And over the last few years, we've connected hundreds and hundreds, both in person and virtually, of entrepreneurs in these small mastermind groups. What are they essentially? They're accountability groups. They're kind of like growth units, right? Like we're saying, what we're doing is not mainstream. So it's useful to connect with people that have similar goals to you and try to push each other to grow together. Yeah, it's the same thing we just talked about, which is getting around people that are doing the things that you want to be doing. And at the higher levels, it's like getting around other people that are already doing the things that you're doing. So, you know, I want to meet with other CEOs that have multi-million dollar companies and talk about the problems and the issues that come up in their daily life and business and figure out a way to fast track. It's like, oh, Dan's already had this problem before. Great. I'm going through it now. He can save me a ton of time by distilling what this problem is for me. So that's nice. But I also think that's problematic at times, right? Because one of the things I've noticed over the last few years is like my advice for people that are just getting started out 
and this episode might be a great example of this, is sometimes it's not as good as someone who just did it a year ago. Like you can get more and more disconnected from the people you're trying to help. And you see this happen a lot, like with sort of proclamation gurus online telling people how to do things. This is the right way to do things. And it doesn't work for people. It's like, well, you're not doing it right, you know? And the truth is, is that people do this in so many different ways. And it's nice to be in the trenches with people. And this is basically the message that I got back from the emails from our listeners. And it's part of the reason I thought about doing this episode is like, probably the majority of our listeners, they do not have businesses. They are entrepreneurial. They do not make, you know, six figures a year from an online business, which is more or less what we're saying. You have to qualify to be a part of these masterminds. And they kind of reminded me like, well, hey man, like I can still get value out of a mastermind and I can still contribute just because I don't have the six-figure business. So how about you hook me up with other people like me? And when we started, we weren't making six figures and we found these things to be immensely valuable. So that's the business idea. You're telling me when you came out of the womb, you weren't playing guitar like you do now? (laughs) What you're saying is basically we've been matching people up and doing this mastermind rush inside of the DC, the Dynamite Circle, which is our private community. And we just did another mastermind rush in January. We generally do it twice a year where we match people up on these calls. Around five people get on these calls. They discuss their problems with other business owners. We actually handpick these people to be with each other and move people around as they'd like and as we see fit to make these groups work. And the idea now is to extend this opportunity to people outside of the DC. So people that are making less than DCers make, maybe a little bit less established. Yeah. And to connect these people with other people that can help them on their journey. That's basically what the listeners were telling us. You know, it's like, this is valuable for people with, that are established and have been doing this for years, but it's also valuable for us. So why don't you do it for us too? Right. And I thought, well, there you go. That's a pretty good idea. That's a business idea right there. That is a business idea. Are we going to pursue that? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think we should pursue it. Yeah. I got to figure if it lines up with my passion for golf. We'll see. Exactly. (laughs) So at this episode, there will be a little box at the end of the episode, I believe. This is how nonchalant we are about everything. Maybe we need to get a little bit more serious over here, Dan. But the serious part about this is like, this is something that we've been doing for like four years and we do it really well. We were looking over some of our in-person mastermind reviews and people were like, "Uh, yeah, I'd pay like a thousand bucks for this. I can't believe it wasn't a thousand bucks. So I think we're good at it because we've done it so many times and we've honestly, it's really hard to do. I mean, I would say our success placement rate the last few times was between 80 and 90%, which it took us a really long time to get to. The truth is, is that a product like this where you're doing matchmaking, there's going to be some bloody noses. You know what I mean? Totally. So it's not going to work out for everybody because it's a personality thing too. And so figuring out like how personalities, industries, experience levels, time zones, lifestyle choices, like all these things kind of play together to make a good group is sort of what we've been serious about. And so it's really just a matter of grafting that to a different part of the audience. And I think more or less it could work the same way. I think so too. And what I was going to say is there's going to be a little box at this episode. Where's this episode going to be located, Dan? tropicalmba.com slash entrepreneurial people. So go to that URL. Let us know if you think you might want to be a part of a mastermind this year. That's it, man. All right. I'll see you next week, Dan. See you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.